Hi, and welcome to Serenity Now, a place for entrepreneurs to ask questions, learn, get connected, and be inspired. Join us as we talk about all things business and the search for the ever-elusive Serenity Now in both business and personal life. In this episode, the Serenity Sisters speak with angel investor and entrepreneur Vic Khanna. What is an angel investor? Angel investors will take a gamble on an unproven, but, you know, very well thought out entrepreneurial idea that could make it. And angel investors really betting on the entrepreneur equally or more than the actual idea. How do they choose what companies to invest in? I've invested angel investments in people I've known for a long time. Um, people who have worked for me in the past. So people I know their character, I know their their drive, I know their abilities. And then I've invested in people that I've just met, literally just first meeting and you click, you know, you just click, you know that this entrepreneur has a internal drive for success. What are some red flags? One is asking for an NDA. That's a huge flag right away. There is no idea that is going to be what we call a breakthrough idea. So most ideas today live in the world of incremental improvement. So someone's already done it before, but you know what? You're an entrepreneur and you're going to do it better. Angel investing continues to grow as successful entrepreneurs take a chance on early stage businesses that they believe have a great product or service and the right entrepreneur to take the company to the next level. It could be an amazing fit for startups to find an investor willing to provide funding before a business even builds any form of traction. If you are interested in attracting angel investors to your business, this is the episode for you. Take a listen. Welcome to another episode of Serenity Now for Entrepreneurs. I'm Candice and I'm here with Rita and her guest, Vic Hanna. Vic is going to talk to us a little bit about angel investing, something that's always piqued my interest. Rita, why don't you introduce us to Vic and tell us how you know Vic and uh, and we'll go from there. Thanks, Candice. Yeah, no, we're quite excited to have Vic join us today. When we're talking about funding, there's so many different forms of funding. And one of the things that comes out quite frequently when you're talking to entrepreneurs is this thing called angel investing or investors that you bring on somehow. And are they angels? Are they really angels? I don't know. And we thought, who can we reach out to to share some of this understanding? And the only person that I thought of, like the first and only, was Vic. Vic and I met. I think it was just over a decade or so ago and we were either at a volunteer event you know or doing some some kind of work together because that's kind of one of our passions in, in the background we're always doing something um, so I'm going to leave it probably at that just kind of say we we met somewhere there and then we continued the friendship and the friendship moved on to become good colleagues uh, Vic has been somewhat of a mentor as well if you end up meeting and sharing any time with Vic, what'll happen is he'll start recruiting you for all of his volunteer stuff that he does. <laughs> and one of his big passions is, is a group called Thai. And it helps our youth get passionate and learn all about entrepreneurship. And to the point where they build a business plan and at the end of six months, pitch to a round of investment judges for a chance to win you know, a global competition prize of $10,000. And so that's where we connected quite a bit on. But I'd love 
Vic to share a little bit more about his background and why he would be the best person to share a little bit more about investments. Vic, take it away. Thanks, Rita. What a beautiful introduction. I want to thank Candace and Peggy and you and the Serenity team for welcoming me on board. Really excited about this. First, I want to reflect on, do you need to raise money? And I'll share a little bit about my story. I was able to bootstrap a software company to 120 employees right here in downtown Vancouver. So we raised zero investment. And that is kind of unheard of or rare. A lot of people today don't necessarily think about bootstrapping. So what is bootstrapping? Well, bootstrapping is getting money from your customers. So actually having a product that you've invested in yourself, so it requires some startup, you've done that yourself, and now you've got a product that or a service that you're selling to customers, and you're generating revenue and profit and growing your business. So from zero, to 120 employees in the software business, we were able to bootstrap. And that was because of a fantastic product that really had a great value proposition. And that product was called Deep Freeze, really easy to understand. It would freeze a computer in a very good way for IT guys. So whenever that computer would restart, it would go back to the way the IT guys wanted it to be. And we rode that public access computer wave like you wouldn't believe. So it was a fantastic Mm -hmm. time to be in the software business. So from my um, software experience, I ended up doing a lot of networking and mentoring. And then some of those mentoring sessions led to helping out and, you know, fostering entrepreneurship. And usually it required mentorship and, you know, genuine care and attention of what the entrepreneur is facing as challenges and helping them out with strategy, product management, with market validation, and all the other things that go into building a product or service. Then it would come to funding. How does the entrepreneur get funding? So, you know, let's talk about early stage of funding. If you can bootstrap, like I said, that's fantastic. But sometimes you need a little bit of money to get your product up and running. So what usually a lot of people do is the first people they approach is what we call friends and family. So you go to friends and family and you say, hey, look, I got this great idea and I really need a little bit of money to get going on it, to make a prototype, to make a product that I can have other people look at, have some customers look at, maybe even develop what we call an MVP, minimum viable product. So if you get a little bit of money together, you make an MVP, you can show customers. It's not perfect, but you know what? It's got your thesis. And now you show a couple of customers and they say, yeah, we like it, but you know, we need this and we need this and we need this. And then the entrepreneur is like, oh, I got to hire people. I got to hire a team. I got to hire. Yeah, I got a great idea. I know I can execute on this. But I need to hire a team and I need to go fast. So the next level after friends and family is people like me. We're called angel investors. Angel investors will take a gamble on an unproven, but, you know, very well thought out entrepreneurial idea that could make it. And angel investors really betting on the entrepreneur equally or more than the actual idea. So it's kind of really an interesting place to be because you're betting on the entrepreneur, not necessarily their idea, because you know that the idea could pivot. It could change, but the entrepreneur won't. So it's it's high risk. It's a lot of fun. It's rewarding if the entrepreneur succeeds. And I've done about 15 of these 
And, you know, you need to do a few of them if you're going to do angel investment. That was advice I learned very early. So I didn't never, I never said, oh, I'm just going to do one and, you know, it's going to be a winner because business is hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. It requires a lot of work. And when you have, you know, that cycle of entrepreneurship where you got mentorship, you got angel investors. And if the entrepreneur is going to be astute, listen to experience, there's a better likelihood of them succeeding. And then success means either now we bootstrap from this stage. So after an angel investment, you got your product, you got your revenue, and you got your profitability. And now you're on a path to growing your business via bootstrapping. Or there's a bigger ambition where you need to still invest in your product or your service, and you need to scale it, and you need to raise more money to do that. And then that's when people like me will no longer participate, but the next round of people will come in. And then that's what we call venture capital. So then venture capital come in and they'll make what they call a seed investment. So that's their version of still high risk. And they're looking for the seed investment to show a lot of great key performance indicators. They're really worried about growth factors. They're also worried about burn rates. So they'll monitor those factors of growth rates and burn rate. And then they'll look at how fast are you growing your business? What are the annual recurring revenue, monthly recurring revenue? What's your churn rate? Getting a lot more detail into the business, into the metric side of it. Whereas angel investors, we're not necessarily you know, really, really focused on those kind of specific metrics because we know that we're still we're still baking. You know, we haven't finished baking, but at the VC level, it's got to be baked and you got to roll with it. When you're saying you're more interested in the entrepreneur than the idea, what is it that draws you? Is it something subjective or is it just a gut feeling or is there certain key characteristics that, that really draw you to an entrepreneur? All of the above. I've invested angel investments in people I've known for a long time, um, people who have worked for me in the past. So people I know their character, I know their their drive, I know their abilities. And then I've invested in people that I've just met, literally just first meeting and you click, you know, you just click, you know that this entrepreneur has a internal drive for success. This entrepreneur has done a lot of homework and is an expert in their area. So I look for a lot of research factors, right? So how well has the entrepreneur researched their idea or their service or their product? I usually have a, a quick system that I vet through that. And, you know, Rita mentioned that, you know, we teach high school kids. So I've been teaching high school kids entrepreneurship for 11 years. And I share this with them. So like right first class, first class, I share this with them. I go, how do you know that you have a good idea? Well, you must know who you're targeting, and that should be very specific. It should be down to age bracket or the gender or you know the area. It should be very specific. And then what is their pain point? And then how is that pain point being solved today by your competitors? If an entrepreneur says, well, I don't have any competition. Jeez, yeah, <laughs> I haven't heard that before. <laughs> That's a red flag for me, Yeah. right? I get laughs out of that one. But if people say that, I believe of course, there's always competition. So, you know, when someone says my competitors are A, B, C, and here's how I'm going to win, that really attracts me. I'm looking for that kind of vetting system. And then that's why I usually apply that. And then quite often it is the product. 
I fall in love with products sometimes. So an example would be one of my angel investments. I read about it. I literally read about it in an educational publication called EdSearch. And then I reached out to the company and I said, I am in Vancouver. You guys are in in Silicon Valley. I think you guys are going to rock. I'm going to fly down and meet you guys, met them. And I like them. Not only do I like the product that they're working on, but I like them. I want to angel invest in you guys. What are those things that you know immediately that you should walk and you should walk fast and far away from these people? (laughs) What are the things that really send you the other way? One is asking for an NDA. That's a huge flag right away. There is no idea that is going to be what we call a breakthrough idea. So most ideas today live in the world of incremental improvement. So someone's already done it before, but you know what? You're an entrepreneur and you're going to do it better. That is a world we live in today. So version one, version two, I have this product and I don't know why people buy it, but they always buy it, but I can make a better product. That's the incremental improvement. Then another one, which is interesting, and a lot of the world exists here now, is orthogonal innovation. So taking two different ideas, putting them together, and packaging them up in a way that has a higher value proposition, where one plus one will equal more than two. So Uber, for example, doesn't own any taxi cabs, but they're a taxi cab company. So the world of MP3 players in the old days when we were growing up, you know, MP3 player was just a SD card until Apple married iTunes to it. That was the orthogonal innovation that made Apple, a, you know, a giant killer in music. And then Apple got taken out through Spotify and then they reinvented themselves with Apple Music. So very, very interesting of how, you know, the evolution evolves. But NDAs are a red flag and not knowing your competition is a giant red flag. And then when we go into the details, um, some of the details really do matter. And I'll share one with you, Peggy, which is really around like, why are you in this business? What's your motivation? And a lot of entrepreneurs can't answer that. Why do they exist in that business space? You know, if someone says to me, because I want to make a lot of money, okay, well, but why? You know, what's the motivation behind that? Why this idea? And if they can't answer those kind of questions, that also, you know, does throw up a red flag to me. Passion Mm -hmm. results in your friends and family investing in you and then angel investors investing in you, Mm -hmm. you building a great product or a service, and then either achieving success by yourself from that point or scaling your business further and getting VC capital. I love how you brought in, you know, step one of bootstrapping. It's not so sexy to talk about bootstrapping, is it? It's way more fun or to throw out, oh, angel investing or venture cap or something along those lines. But it's interesting, you know, in our firm, we did everything on our own, too. Although we understand we can go to whether it's an institution or investors and we have a great network to be able to do that. But there's also a sense of, you know, how you want to run your business, what kind of business it is a lifestyle business or take over the world business, you know, and what your end goals are. I I ask that question quite frequently, Vic, and I never get the answer. Sure, you want to make money, but what what is it that you're trying to achieve? Is there a separate, is there something else that comes alongside of this? So I love how you're pulling this together for everyone. I work with a lot of uh, young software companies and I've seen a lot of companies get angel investors. And sometimes those angels are not particularly angels. And I'm wondering, Vic, if you can help us from the other side, if someone is looking for an angel investor, how do they know? What are the key indicators of a good match 
there are sharks out there. They're not angels. There are some sharks. How does one avoid the pitfalls of getting involved with the wrong person? I've seen it a few too many times in my business. In my experience, angel investors usually almost always have a minority, like really, really small stake. So they take a small stake. And what ends up happening is because of their small stake, they do not get preferential shares or preferential treatment. So they don't have, you know, shotgun clauses or clauses that would, you know, provide them with board seats or control of the company. However, angel investment does get confused with seed investment. So seed investment does have all of those things I just talked about. So when you're a seed investor, you are really now looking to scale and grow. And you're looking at this business more of the business side of the business rather than the people side of the business. Angel investors are really looking at the people side of the business more than they are about the actual product or service. That's something that our listeners need to be able to decide what they're looking for. First of all, are they looking for an angel? Or are they looking for seed? And what are the, you know, the downsides of each? Yeah. Angel investment is much closer to the family and friends than it is mm-hmm. to the VC, right? It is really closer. It's like sometimes it happens with family and friends round. It happens really early. And, you know, angel investment is also not giant amounts of money, right? It is the money to make an MVP. It is the money to make a prototype. It is the money to prove it out further. It's the money to get your first 5, 10, 100 customers. When you have your 100,000 customers and now you're looking for your 10,000 customers and, you know, you need money to do that. You need investment to do that. So you need to perfect a cost of acquisition model. So if you advertise mm-hmm. by spending $1, will you get $1.50 or $2 back? So now you need a whole bunch of cash to put into an engine that can drive the cost of acquisition model. That's when you go to VCs and that's when the seed round will come in and then they'll put all sorts of strings and conditions attached to it. Right. Okay. That's a good differentiation for us. Where we see you know, things implode as angel investors, it's usually partnerships. And I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have mm-hmm. hundreds, We've all hundreds have, of partnership yep. stories. Um, we have a <laughs> podcast on partnerships. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. Vic, as you were chatting, the first thing I was thinking about is the angel investment that I did, you know, with a group of partners and yeah, you know, it describes all the things that you were talking about. It was an idea. It was unproven. It, it sounded like it would benefit, you know, so many people and it was done the right way with the right foundation and the right steps, but it was the wrong people. The wrong people, because although we asked the questions of the end goals and the motivation, there was an underlying motivation of something else altogether. And that underlying motivation alongside of some factors that we didn't know about some of the folks, even with some due diligence that we had completed, just made it become so risky that we had to take our names off and take that step back and you lose you lose the investment. And this is not something that happened, you know, 20 years ago. We, we already did that one too. This was <laughs> only a few years ago. So first was a, you know, a six figures. This was just under six. But, you know, I hope that we're learning a little faster with a little less loss <laughs> as we continue to go forward. But I appreciate you kind of spelling out the steps and the nuances. There were a few words that you used and some of it could be considered new or jargon. You talked about preferential treatment. You talked about preferred shares. 
Can you just expand a little bit on what that means, perhaps, just so we have everyone's on the same page with the understanding? Yes. So angel investors will not ask for preferential treatment or preferred shares. They're getting common shares almost all the time. If they're asking for preferred shares or preferential treatment, then they're looking at probably you know, more closer to the seed investment side, VC side. And, you know, venture capital has a bad reputation for a lot of reasons. And part of that is they ask for the preferential treatment, the preferred shares, and a different, you know, class where they have more control over the business. They can, in effect, replace the CEO. So that is the drawback to the entrepreneur is if they do not execute they have VC money, then they could be in trouble. With angel investment, it's rarely, rarely ever happens. It is very close to friends and family. It is lower cost, but very, very high risk. So Rita, when you're talking about, you know, you're an angel investment not working out, well, I have done 15 of them. And you know what? <laughs> uh, you know, if I look at the track record, nine of them did not work out. Right? A couple are, you know, still alive and going on. And we're talking some of these companies I invested in, the, you know, eight years ago. Some of them I invested in last month. Right? It was my last one, and that one the jury's out on. But the winners are actually quite amazing. So one of my winners has easily paid for the entire portfolio of my angel investment. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. You really need to look at this as a a diversified approach. If you're going to go into the angel investment business, please never pick one. You have to kiss a lot of frogs, right? With small kisses is what Vic uh, is saying. Just a few scattered. You, 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 you do Don't have to spread the love tank. around. Yes. <laughs> spread the love around. I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that we've had a chance to learn, you know, a few things and hopefully some new language that is not so new anymore and been a little bit clarified. Thank you, Vic, for some of the steps involved and some of the best practices, both on the side of investing in someone and looking for angel investors. There was actually one question that I did have is how do people find angel investors? That's that's a big one. Well, there's lots and lots of groups out there. So I belong to a networking organization. Rita, you've been part of this organization, TIE. It's the world's biggest entrepreneur organization, TIE.org, 60 chapters in 17 countries. So that's just one organization, but there's Vancouver Entrepreneur Forum. There's Angel List, which is a giant platform. Angel investors are out there. You have to do your networking, look for them. There's also very, very high ability to look at the people that you want to be your mentors. So if I was a young person starting off today, passionate about an idea, I would be looking for the ideal mentor for myself and for my idea. So I would be very proactive in looking at, you know, outreach, proactive outreach to that mentor. And that mentor then could potentially be an angel investor, but would know the people that could be angel investors. And that's really critical because then you're coming at it from a a deeper understanding that you're not looking for money, you're looking for mentorship first. That diffuses the entire situation. 
It really does. So a lot, like more than half my angel investments have been done because I was mentoring the entrepreneur without obligation at the start. Yeah, that's fantastic. So usually about this time, what we like to do is just kind of do a quick fire of, you know, around the table of either key aha moments or something we wanted to say, this is something that I've learned or a best practice or maybe a final question. So I'm just going to start the round table, perhaps with Peggy. Lead us <laughs> off, lead us off. <laughs> well, I got a couple things from this. I like your distinction between angel investment and venture capital and the distinction between the shareholdings. I think that's really important for young people or young entrepreneurs to understand when they enter into either of those. And it kind of gave me a bit more clarity myself. I like the idea from the angel side of the mentorship. I think, you know, I would be on honor to mentor someone as I have mentored in, in my uh, career. And it is an honor when someone asks you to mentor and then the relationship grows from there. And it, it's like a dating, I think. You get a chance to to understand each other and see each other's passion and, and expertise. And who wouldn't want someone with that industry expertise or that speciality to bring it to your business? So I think that's an excellent idea. You know what? I had this, I had a similar comment about the angel versus venture capital. I have to admit that my preconception of uh, the angel investor was more along the lines of venture capitalist or seed. And I was imagining that they would want all this documentation and financials and everything to be all ducks in a row. But uh, by the sounds of it, it might be a little bit more loosey-goosey and more important about who the entrepreneur is. So that's that's interesting to me. So I'm going to wrap it up with, you know, it's really nice to have that clarification. So along with the same lines as both of what you two have said is, I think there's a lot of myth out there or uncertainty. Uh, like you said, Candice, like for me, I immediately go to due diligence phases and risk and analysis. But at the end of the day, when I work with anyone, whether it's a client or investments, it's always about the character. You know, do I want my name next to that person? So I'm with you on on those kind of qualities, Vic, whether it's you're investing in someone as an angel or you're looking for an angel. I actually want to know more about the angel as well and find out their background and not necessarily the entire success rate, but, you know, who are you and how can your expertise kind of fit the gaps that I'm missing here? So I just want to say, Vic, give you a last shot at if there's any final piece of advice, either direction, either if you want to start investing or if you want to become like or, or if you're looking for an angel investor, any last pieces of great advice that you can share? Wow, this is a great roundtable. Um, thank you. I want to speak to future entrepreneurs. Future entrepreneurs, be fearless. Be fearless in looking for mentors. Look for the mentors who have already achieved success that can genuinely help you. What you'll find is there'll be, be people like me who will want to genuinely help you and mentor you. And you could end up having them as your angel investor or they'll open doors to you. That's fantastic. Did I mention that he's definitely a motivational speaker? Every time <laughs> I spend time with Vic, I feel completely inspired. I'm ready to take over the world again. And, and it happened again. Thank you so much, Vic, for your time, for your energy and just your continued passion for entrepreneurship and our community here. You know, you've been a huge blessing in my life as a friend, as a colleague, someone I continue to respect and admire. So 
I hope that, um, you know, our audience, you've had a chance to learn a few things. Perhaps this, you know, may be helpful to other entrepreneurs that you know, and perhaps bring some serenity now. Thank you, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up some good tips and best practices that would benefit your entrepreneurial journey. Remember, none of the content in this podcast should be relied upon as standard legal or business advice. Always consult a professional for your specific business. You may know someone who could benefit from this podcast. Please share it with your business community and perhaps it can give an entrepreneur you know some serenity now.